Parents, if you have not taken them out and signed them in at your computer, go do that now so you'll get a ticket so that you can go downstairs and claim them later. All right. For those of you that are remaining in here, go ahead and get your Bibles out um, to uh, look at the Scripture. We have been walking through the book of Philippians. We are in chapter 4. We're going to look at two verses today. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out. Thank you, Phil, that, and, and Richard, and Melba, that was wonderful. I don't know if, if any of you know anything about organs, there's a whole lot of buttons and keys on there. Uh, I played around it with it one day. It never sounds like that. I don't know what she does to it. <laughs> it ain't that she knows how to play it or anything, you know. But I do know how to play. I know how to play in the traffic. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. Uh, I can play the radio, too, when it works. All right, Philippians chapter 4, I want you to look with me as we read verses 6 and 7. I want to just give you a little reminder as you're getting ready to stand up to your feet as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, follow what Paul wrote in verses 4 and 5 that we looked at last week. And he gave us a couple of commands and said, go ahead and do this. But he didn't stop there. He continues on in verses 6 and 7 with a couple of more things that we need to pay attention to. So we're going to do that today. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, if you don't have your Bibles, it is on the screen for you to follow along. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the command, but yet a command with a promise. That, Lord, that we have a promise from God that we can rest upon. And, Lord, we pray that today, as we talk about this subject that is impacting so many people, not only in America, but around the world, as we're going to hear, Lord, I pray that, Father, that we might recognize that God is speaking to us. And, Lord, He has a word for us with a command and a promise. Lord, so help us to be obedient in the command so that we will receive the promise that God has given to us. Lord, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. All right, I want to begin by asking uh, some questions. Have you ever had a time in your life when you've been overwhelmed with uh, so much that you could not sleep? Have you ever had a time in your life when you were so preoccupied with a problem that you didn't seem to be able to function? Have you ever been 
have an issue in your life that seems to dominate every waking thought? If so, you have known anxiety. And what I want to talk to us about today is what Paul says here in these two verses about how that we need to understanding and attacking anxiety. Now, let me just remind you of some things that I read. Worry and anxiety are different from concern and excitement. You can be excited about something and be so thrilled with anticipation that you can't sleep. That is not the same as worry. You can be so concerned about something like preparing for retirement, saving for college, or some other big event, and make plans to address these concerns, and that it is not the same as anxiety. You know, preparing uh, uh, for something, excited about something, looking forward to something, is not the same as anxiety. It is when our concerns become all-consuming and debilitating that we have become anxious. Now, in an article published by John uh, Elfine, a uh, research expert covering health and health care on February the 10th, 2022, on the subject of anxiety in the United States, statistics and facts, I read this article and I wanted to share this with you. I read this, anxiety is a normal human emotion of worry, fear, tension, apprehension about what is to come. Everyone experiences anxiety to greater or lesser degrees, and although it is unpleasant, it usually is fleeting. However, when anxiety is extreme and um, persists over an extended period of time, it can become debilitating. Such cases are referred to as anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders include generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, phobias, social anxiety disorders. Symptoms of such disorders include panic and fear, increased heart rate, rapid breathing, difficult sleeping, nausea, and dizziness. As of 2019, it was estimated that around 4% of the global population suffered from anxiety disorder, making anxiety, along with depression, one of the most common mental health disorders in the world. The article went on to ask, how common is anxiety in the United States? And then answered this. In the United States, it is estimated that around 6.2% of the population suffers from an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders in the United States are common among females and among males, with 7.7% of females suffering from disorders compared to 4.6% of males. General feelings of anxiety which do not necessarily meet the conditions of disorders are much more common. A survey carried out in 2019 and published by the CDC found that 19% of females and 12% of males in the U.S. experienced symptoms of anxiety in the past weeks before being surveyed. Hang on. Since COVID-19 pandemic 
has had a massive mental health ramification around the world. And surveys have shown that the pandemic has increased the feelings of depression, isolation, worry, and anxiety in many people in the United States. Another survey from the CDC that was run through the pandemic and measured the symptoms of anxiety disorders among U.S. adults found that at the beginning of 2022, almost 32% of females and 24% of males had symptoms of anxiety disorders. Chuck Swindoll calls worry the universal addiction. Paul understood the natural tendencies for all of us to become anxious at times. He knew that anxiety is one of the greatest thieves of joy in our life. Because of this, Paul wrote these words that we found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Now, what do we want to do today? Well, we don't want to just talk about that there's a problem out there. I want to give you some biblical things that we need to understand. Some things that I found digging into Scripture about this issue based upon these two verses. Now, Paul goes into verse 6 with sharing a command, telling us in verse 6, um, be careful for nothing. Now, what he's really saying is don't worry about anything. Now, we all know that's easier said than done. So what I want to do, first of all, is I want us to take some time to understand the nature of anxiety. Understanding the nature of our anxieties will help us to be able to see what the Bible really teaches us about how that you and I ought to respond to the things around us. Now, let me give you a few more things about anxiety. Of course, anxiety is an emotion. It's related to fear, but distinct to the, uh, that it is typically future-oriented. Often prolongs and essentially it becomes irrational in nature. It is also distinct from cognitive activities like worry or the uh, ruinization as well as physical sensations such as chest uh, tightness and lightheadedness. In other words, not only does it cause us to, to not be able to function in life, but it also has a physical uh, attack upon us. Anxiety reaches clinical levels and becomes a disorder when it is persists for an extended length of time and in some ways significantly impairs our functioning. Now, the truth of the matter is that I'm probably speaking to some folks today that would say that I have that issue, that anxiety is an issue. And it is something that we cannot just sweep under the rug. It is not something that we have to and can ignore. It is something that we have to know and deal with. The problem so often in our world today is that we don't want to acknowledge that these kinds of things can be a problem even in the church. But the reality is mental health is, is just as prevalent as a problem as it is physical health. And we need not to put labels or, or other things on it that would cause us to say, well, we can't admit to that. As Christians, we need to know what God has to say about it and what we can do about it. So 
Let me ask you a question. Don't you hate it when people just simply say, stop worrying? Don't worry about it. Just stop worrying. It's easy for someone to say and a lot harder for someone to do. Don't you oftentimes feel that when that person who is telling you not to worry is the one who doesn't fully comprehend the problem in which we're facing? And if they really did, they'd be worrying too. Now, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus began to address this subject in such a way that he wanted us to know that this is an issue that needs to be addressed in our lives. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus condemns worry in this way. He says worry is foolish and it shows a lack of confidence in the person, character, and abilities of God. Now listen to what Jesus said, and let me kind of tie that together for you today. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, if you want to follow along, here's what he says. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life for what you will eat or drink or about your body for what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Uh, They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lily of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. So why is worrying a problem? Why is it that Jesus said worrying is wrong? Why is it that that Jesus doesn't want us to, to, to waste our time focusing on things that are outside of our ability to do anything about? Well, let me give you a few reasons. First of all, it puts our focus on the wrong issues. When we begin to worry about things, we begin to put our focus on the wrong issues. Jesus made the statement, is not life more important than just food? Isn't life more important than your nourishment? When we worry, our perspective gets skewed. We begin to focus on things that are secondary and in the the process lose sight of that which is really important. So let me give you some examples. So often we worry so much about the winter weather that we forget to enjoy the the Christmas season. We so often worry about uh, um, uh, what's going on in our life. We're so absorbed about how we look and and how we uh, dress that we fail to enjoy the people around us. Oftentimes we're so worried about having enough money that we don't enjoy the journey of life that God has given us. You see how worry begins to distort our thinking? When we worry, we tend to look at situations through a a magnifying glass which makes things bigger than they really are. 
When we worry, we turn molehills into what? Mountains. Oftentimes, that which is insignificant, so significant in our life that it takes up every thought of our life. See, worry causes us to put our perspective on the wrong things. God says there is uh, that which is important, which is you and me, and that which is secondary, which is everything else. Secondly, worry causes us to lose sight of who we belong to. As believers, we need to be reminded oftentimes that we are bought and paid for with a price. Now, what was that price? We sang about it today. Oh, by the way, as I was listening to the songs that the, they picked out today, I didn't tell them what I was preaching on. I didn't tell them. Ron just sends them to me Friday afternoon after I've already prepared, and, and I plug them in. Uh, but when I hear these songs today, I thought how they fit into what we need. You know, we, in times like these, we need to depend upon Him. In times like these, we need this book. How great thou art. What a great God we serve. For He loves us and cares for us and takes good care of us. We think about what it is and we're reminded that, that we oftentimes worry causes us to lose sight of who we belong to. Jesus concludes in Matthew that God is more than capable of taking care of us. He cares for the birds, the flowers, and the animals. When we worry, we show that we think that we are less important to God than these things. We're not. We aren't. God will take care of us. He promises to meet our every need. Not our every want, but our every need. Jesus takes care of his children. In another parable about prayer and about Jesus caring for us, said this in Matthew chapter 7, in verses 7 through 9, where he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? If God knows what we need, and he does, it is inconceivable to think that God will not meet those needs if we put our trust in him rather than in our own devices. You know what the greatest help for me when I begin to get overwhelmed with anxiety, about worrying about things that are to come, things that might happen, I'm reminded that the Bible says worry is a sin. See, the Bible reminds us that, that I'm sinning when I'm worried about things that I cannot control, things that haven't happened yet, things that, that, that consume me and take my mind off of the things that I'm supposed to be doing. When we are anxious, it shows that we really don't trust God the way that we say we do. It means that either I believe God is not capable, or that God is not willing to care for me. Neither is true. So when I realize that I'm beginning to be filled with that anxiety, I ask myself this important question. Do I trust God? Or do I just say I do? Do I really trust him? Or do I just say I do? You see, the, the evidence is in how we act. The evidence is what we do next. 
Anxiety is going to come to all of us. We're all going to feel that anxiety at times. It is a matter of when we feel it, what do we do with it? Understanding that anxiety helps us to know how that we can deal with it. The third thing that I want to share with you is that worry is a fruitless activity. Jesus reminds us that it gets us nowhere. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, who by worry can add one single hour to your life? Let me just tell you what that in reverse says. Do you not know that worry can take hours off of your life? <laughs> worry won't add an hour to your life, but a worry will take hours off of your life. Let me just remind you of that. Worry is a fruitless activity that is a waste of energy. There is nothing productive about worry. It leads to nowhere. Vance Habner said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. Worry hinders us rather than helps us. Worry paralyzes rather than energizes us. Worry robs our energy. It often has a very negative effect. And our health suffers from it. As a matter of fact, they have done statistics and studies to see that those who are constant chronic worriers suffer from more from ulcers and blood pressures and heart problems, colon distress and, and chronic headaches. Simply because we don't get enough rest, because we don't sleep well, we become irritable to those around us and we begin to see the clouds even on sunny days. Worry keeps us from being able to address the issues we can and should be doing something about. Worry can cause us to focus on all the wrong things and miss out on all the right things. Understanding the nature of anxiety is important. Science and, 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 and not only that, but uh, psychologists and psychiatrists have said that we've got to understand in order to deal with. But it's only the first step towards what comes next. The Apostle Paul reminds us here to worry about nothing. And I know that's easier said than done. And I know that anxiety is something that all of us face at times, but when it becomes something that is consuming us, we need to know why. And so we talked about that. So now we need to understand the remedy for anxiety. Understanding the remedy for anxiety is important as understanding the reasons why we're anxious. All right, so I guess we're saying, okay, Paul, I get it. We'll try to stop worrying. In fact, I'm going to try harder this week than I've ever tried before, and I'm just not going to worry about anything. Thank you for the command. Now I've got it and I'll just do it all on my own. But there lies the problem. We can't do it on our own. There lies the problem. We need help. There's, certainly, we want to recognize, and I want you to understand that, that mental health is a crisis in America today because we have, we have kind of turned our back on it. And we have said, well, we, if we admit it, it admits that we're weak, admits that we have problems, admits that we, you know, hey, let me just remind you, 
The Bible says that we all have problems. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, we have a sinful nature. And because of that, we have, uh, we have illnesses and effects due to sin. And therefore, they are constantly plaguing us. Even as believers, we cannot ignore what we go through. As church members, we need to understand that we need to support and encourage one another. And we need to love one another. And we need to encourage people to get help in those times of crises. Now, what the Bible tells us here is that we need to understand it. And then we need to understand the remedy. Now, Paul reminds us here in the next verse, or in the same verse, but the next phrase, look at what he says. Be careful for nothing, worry about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So what is the Apostle Paul saying? Be anxious for nothing, but now notice, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul begins with this comprehensive negative. Don't worry about anything. And now, this comprehensive positive. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. He doesn't just tell us something to stop but he tells us something to start. And you have to do both. Now let me ask you something. Now, just coming back from a trip where I spent many hours both ways on a plane, I want to ask you, which of the two wings on a plane are most important, the right or the left? Well, do you want to go right or do you want to go left? They're both important. You don't get anywhere without two wings. All right, same thing. You're not going to get anywhere by just trying to stop one thing or start another. You have to have both. All right? They're both important, just like this is important. And understanding the remedy for anxiety, you don't just stop something. You have to start something. In fact, you have to do both of them or you'll never get off the ground. So this is what you stop, the habit of worry. And this is what you start, the practice of prayer. Now Paul uses three words here for the same practice of talking to the Lord. Now this is not new, I hope, to any of you, but it's a good reminder for all of us. Paul gives us in this verse, here he says, uh, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So the first word that Paul uses is that of prayer. This is a general word that is talking uh, about having a conversation with God. Talking with God about what's going on in your life. It can happen anywhere, at any time, about anything. The second word that Paul uses here is supplication. Now the, refer the word refers to praying with urgency about whatsoever issue that is concerning you. Now what Paul does here is he builds upon the fact that we're all to be praying. You know, we have that general time when we talk to God about everything. We just have that conversation with God. But then he says, make your, your supplication 
before the Lord. That means, you know, when that begins to become an issue, that begins to become something that we need to address before God. We don't want it to become an issue that takes over our life. So we call upon God and we petition Him with, with supplication. Lord, hear me as I pray. Lord, here's my anxiety. Here's my concern. And that concern goes before the Lord until He alleviates that concern in our life. And the third word that Paul uses is the word request. This refers simply to bringing the Lord any specific need you might have. See, this gets beyond that supplication and this starts saying, okay, Lord, as I ponder this, I've read scripture and as I've prayed about it, here's what I believe that I need. Lord, I need you to interact. I need you to intervene. Lord, I need you to change the situation. Or Lord, I need you to give me the grace to get through it. It's beginning to request, to make known that we're seeing an end to the process, but we need his help, and these are some areas that we feel we need help in. Paul wants us to understand that we have a God who cares. A God who says, I am available. A God who says, I'm listening. A God who says, I will answer. Paul says the alternative to anxiety or worry begins with pouring our heart out in prayer. Release from anxiety comes through laying yourself bare before the Lord. D.A. Carson said this, and I thought it was pretty good. The way to, to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Simple statement. But how does it work? What is it about anxiety and prayer that puts them at conflict with one another? More specifically, what is it about prayer that makes it an effective antidote or help to my anxiety? Well, let me give you a few things. First of all, anxiety is rooted in self, while prayer is rooted in God. You see, anxiety causes us to focus on us and our problems and our issues and our... But prayer causes us to focus on God, who is above all of our problems. Anxiety is horizontal in focus, meaning it looks out here at everything around me. But what does prayer do? Prayer, on the other hand, is vertical. It causes us to look up to God and say, God, you're high and lifted up. You're above all my problems. You see it all. Where I only see what's bothering me, you see what you're doing and what you can do through me. Anxiety never raises our eyes above our problems or our situation. Prayer raises your eyes above and beyond yourself to God and all of his great power. Anxiety looks to self to solve problems. Prayer looks to God to endure problems. Did you get that? Anxiety looks to ourselves to say, hey, how do I get out of this mess? Prayer says, Lord, maybe you want to teach me something through this mess. So give me the grace to get through this mess so that when I come out the other side, I will be better for it. Anxiety is a concern over our circumstances you can't control. Prayer is confidence in a God who controls all our circumstances. 
Anxiety is an expression of fear. Prayer is an expression of faith. That, quite simply, is a great antidote to the anxiety that we have in our life. Prayer is the answer. Now, let me just stop here so that nobody gets confused. I believe that there are times when we have to go beyond just the spiritual and we have to go and get professional help. There are times when every one of us, even Christians, need medication. I don't want anybody to say, well, the preacher says that we can handle all our problems through prayer. We can. God can. But sometimes God answers our prayers by putting us at the right doctor, at the right medical treatment, at the right help of a counselor as one who speaks truth into our life. Don't ever think that it is wrong to go for help. It is important. Absolutely. So, now saying that, let's go to the third thing, verse 7. We get a command in verse 6 with instruction, but in verse 7 we get a promise. What I want you to do is recognize that we've got to follow the command in order to experience the promise. And here's the promise. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In understanding the anticipation of God's peace will help us to stay in prayer. This is what you can anticipate. Verse 7 reminds us, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your, listen, this is important, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, watch this, this peace, this sincerity, doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from what you're doing. It doesn't come from what you've accomplished. This peace emulates from God. It comes from Him. He is the source from the very character and nature of God. And as you share with God every need and every request with surrendered thanksgiving, God shares with you His character, His grace, His peace. In his character, there is not one hint of worry or anxiety. Let me just remind you that where you and I can see the past and the present, and we can read about what might happen in the future, God sees the past, he knows the present, and he sees what's going on in the future. So don't you think he has a better handle on helping you through than you do on your own? That's what he says. So his peace becomes your peace. This peace is not natural, it's supernatural. Paul adds, it surpasses all comprehension, or the King James says it like this, passes all understanding. It's beyond our ability to say, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I'm okay with it. Jesus promises to get me through it, I'm okay. I trust him more than I trust me. The Bible reminds us to remember where our trust is, where our faith is. This peace is not natural. 
This peace is supernatural. Paul adds, it surpasses the comprehension of humanity, but not God. It transcends intellectual power, human analysis, human insights, and human understanding. It is superior to human scheming, human devices, and human situations. It's the source of God whose judgments are unsearchable and whose ways are unfathomable, Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. So the real challenge for us as Christians in the Christian life is to not worry. It's a real challenge. I mean, have you turned on the news? Have you looked at your 401k? Have you been to the grocery store? I mean, I could go on. I mean, we have all the same worries, all the same concerns as the world. The problem with that is we shouldn't be acting like the world. We have all the same problems, we have all the same concerns, but we have a God who promises us His peace through the trials, through the tribulations, and through the sufferings. So the real challenge is how do we eliminate the unpleasant circumstances and accept the peace that God has given to us. God says he is not taking away all of the things that the world goes through from us just because we're his children. But here's what he promises. My grace is sufficient for your time of need. That's what he promises. The one who lavishes his grace on us more than we can comprehend or know. And since we cannot generate this peace on our own during times of suffering and pain and confusion and loss, we need to acknowledge that this peace is a peace that is a gift from God. It becomes yet another demonstration of the extravagant grace of God. Grace, grace. What wonderful grace our God has bestowed upon us. And look at what this peace does. Yes, I said what it does. For it is not impotent or quiet or weak or inactive. It promises to guard our hearts and our minds. Notice it didn't promise to guard our wallets, our homes, our cars our toys, but it said, I promise to take care of the most important things in your life, your heart, that relationship with me, and your mind that is always at battle with Satan. The world is always coming at us in our minds. And God says, listen, my peace puts that helmet of protection upon your mind. When you spend enough time in this word, the world cannot get in, for the word has gotten in. This would have been an especially vivid image for the Apostle Paul who wrote these words. For he did so 
sitting in chains in a Roman prison. The city of Philippi was the home to a Roman garrison, and garrison is, a, a, you know, an army base. Inside of soldiers keeping careful watch over the area would have been a common phenomenon for these Christians. Hence, God's peace, like a garrison of soldiers, will stand guard over your heart and over your mind. And in the midst of that, God's peace will come upon you in a way that you cannot even begin to explain. So it reminds us that you are as secure from worry and fear as any well-armed fortress from attack. Finally, observe what Paul doesn't say about prayer. He doesn't say that prayer is going to be answered in the way that you and I make that request. He doesn't say that every prayer that you pray will be answered the way that you pray it. But what he does say to us is that your prayers will be heard and answered. He doesn't say that the problems that are perplexing you, the pain that is distressing you, that is causing anxiety in your life will suddenly forever disappear. But what he does say is that a loving Heavenly Father who will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus as you face and endure and patiently preserve midst of whatsoever the world throws at us. In church, let me just remind you, the world is building those snowballs and it's throwing them at us. Whatever they hit us with, God promises to protect us. So let me close by reminding you again. I'm not telling you that you can fix all of your problems with anxiety just with prayer. But I'm telling you, you can take all the medicine in the world and apart from prayer, it will not work. So saying that, let me just remind you that the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God who called this universe into existence out of nothing wills for your prayers to be the occasion of his acting on your behalf. Now let me simplify that. Never ever should we assume that God will do for us apart from prayer what God has promised to do for us through prayer. Did you get that? Don't sit there and think that you can... Just expect it if you're not asking for it. Prayer is powerful. And it should be something that all of us are doing regularly. May that be for you the source of your power and your strength. We've all read the sign that says, 
A week without prayer makes one weak. You know what I'm saying. The throne is accessible when we're on our face before God. And he says, come. Come pray. Come call out. So here's where I want to get personal. Maybe today, you're facing and struggling with those anxieties. Maybe you're struggling with how do I get through or what I'm facing, and it's eating you up. I want you to know that God says, I've got an answer for you. God's calling you today. Not to stop whatever medical or counseling things you're doing, but to be reminded that without Him, it is impossible. So I challenge you today. I'm not asking you to tell me where you're at. I'm asking you to tell him where you're at. And so as we close our time this morning, the altar is going to be open. We're not going to have music this morning. It's going to be a time of quiet. I think it's, it's absolutely needful for us just to be still and know that he is God. So I'm going to ask that just for a moment that you bow your heads and close your eyes and be still. Let the Spirit of the Lord speak to your heart. Let Him ask or tell or draw wherever He needs to in your life. If you would, stand up. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you need to come to the altar this morning, just do that in the next couple of moments, and I want to pray for you. Pray for me. And as I am, please come.